KPCA-LP, Petaluma, California. Good morning and welcome to Inside Petaluma. I'm Cindy Thomas here with co-hosts Jason Davies and Janice Cater-Thompson here on KPCA 103.3 FM. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Here we are, another week. Another week. And I think summer's here. It seems like it. Yeah. I'm wearing shorts the last few days. Yeah, I've got the sleeveless going on now. <laughs> Finally. It's been a weird, weird season. Today, we are pre-recording by way of Zoom video conference because the studios at Petaluma Community Access remain closed due to COVID restrictions, but things are going to look different here pretty soon. Yeah, things are opening up. is currently working on a plan to reopen, but there's a lot of of things we got to do before we get back in the studio. Yeah, I was wondering, are you going to require that people have to show any kind of proof of vaccination to go into PCA? Well, that's being researched right now and that uh, the staff at PCA feels that vaccinations should be required. But Mm -hmm. we have to take a look at the legal end of things and see if that's something that we're even allowed to do. So, Well, government agencies aren't apparently... Uh, under current law, but uh, private businesses are. But I guess the question is where PCA falls in that. Right. Kind of a combination. Mm-hmm. Public and private. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I would hope that most of the people uh, do want to get vaccinated and do get vaccinated before resuming programming at KPCA. So I hope that does work out. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I've been vaccinated. I know that you have both been vaccinated, so uh, we're not at as much risk. Um, But we have to be mindful of the people that aren't able to be vaccinated for medical reasons. People have immune deficiencies and things, and their systems can't handle the vaccine. So part of why as many of us as possible who don't have those issues uh, should get vaccinated is so that we protect these people that can't be vaccinated, or the children, toddlers that can't be. Even if they've been vaccinated, if you have an autoimmune, um, you're more susceptible to getting COVID. Right. Even vaccinated. Is, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah I, don't, I don't know if you guys saw in the Press Democrat last week that a gentleman over 64, I think it said, mm-hmm. uh, who was fully vaccinated yes. died from COVID. I did see that. I saw. Yeah. Yep. So, so, you know. You need to be mindful and thoughtful of other people. Right. It's important. Right. Well, it's all anyway, part of the social contract. <laughs> yeah. It, it's nice to be social again, though, isn't it? It is. I've yeah. hugged a lot of people in the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Nice. I, went, I went on a bike ride uh, the other day and I just I couldn't believe how many people were out and about. And most people still wearing masks, which is um, yep. which is good. Downtown traffic is back. Yeah. Working. I did take my mask off when I was riding my bike, uh, but when I would get close to people, I had it on hand. I would definitely put it on. Um, yeah. But uh, I went. I did go over to uh, the new river park uh, that's in development, oh, yeah. under development. 
Uh, since we had a, our guest, Matt Stone, on, it got me interested in, in going over there. I hadn't been there for a while and checked out the boulders he talked about that are there that uh, can be used to sit on. And um, it's going to be great. I mean, right now it's pretty barren, <laughs> uh, but uh, I think it's got great, great potential. And it's yeah. interesting when you're looking at it, you're seeing it, you know, just the way that they had trees or, you know, some of the landscaping, but it would be really a great place for art, just an art trail within the facility. Well, and one of the great things about obviously getting a handle on COVID and having so many fewer cases is that we can open up and we can have things like live music. I mean, that's been really difficult over the past year. Uh, b- both for artists and fans. Uh, people can't go and see live music. Musicians aren't able to go out and perform. And that's starting to change. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. So that's a great lead-in for introducing our guest today. Uh, we have with us Paluma native Sebastian St. James, who is a local singer, songwriter, guitarist, and producer. Good morning, Sebastian. Good morning. How are you? We're good. <laughs> Thanks for being here. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing good. Like, uh, like I heard you say that live music is coming back and I'm looking at my calendar filling up and it's making me feel very optimistic and hopeful. And, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good, you know, <laughs> probably makes your wallet feel pretty good too. huh? <laughs> well, we'll see, you know, well, as everybody knows, the music business is a very lucrative business. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so, no, I, I definitely am happy to be able to get back in make some money with the thing I love to do. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But let's start off talking about your, the fact that you're a Petaluma native. Uh, yeah. You were born here in Petaluma. Born and raised. I currently live about two blocks away from the hospital. I was uh, born in Petaluma hospital. Oh, wow. just down the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, and so, uh, yeah, yeah. My, my, my father was also born in the Petaluma hospital, oddly enough. And um, wow. yeah, lots of, lots of family here. my, Grandparents on both sides lived in Petaluma and yeah, I just, uh, yeah, it's where my roots are. It's like my, my hometown, the, the, yeah. the town that I used to want to ex- escape from with, <laughs> at all costs, the boring Petaluma that I now love so much because it's boring and the world is crazy. <laughs> well, and not only you, a lot, a lot of more, a lot more people are coming up to Petaluma. It seems trying to escape the city. That's true. But I, you know, I'm all for people escaping the city or finding a good place, but. I don't want Petaluma to get too full. Yeah, I hear you there. <laughs> don't it's lose the charm. <laughs> it's not going to get bigger. It's just going to get fuller. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. Sebastian, I was talking to a friend of yours, and I asked oh, him yeah? if he could say a few things, you know, tell me a few things about you. And what he said was that he is the best. He's a great father. <laughs> He's really fun, too. And I'm not going to say the word with can stay up super late and does a mean Joe Cocker cover. Oh my gosh. Yes. Who is this? <laughs> well, this could be half of Petaluma. <laughs> well, it couldn't be half of Petaluma, oh, no. but it's a mutual friend. Oh, if it's, man. He's actually on the city council. On the city council. Oh, is this, is this Brian? I Who think is it is. Brian? Mr. Barnacle. Yeah. Oh, Brian. Okay. So, yeah, so now awesome. I got it. I've got to hear, I'm really interested. I got to hear your Joe Cocker impression because, um, you know, <laughs> the last famous one I saw was from John Belushi. Oh I yeah. I remember that, uh, which I don't think Joe Cocker was 
was really keen about initially. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't see. But then they did it together, though, so that was cool. They did, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, my my Joe Cocker impression is it's funny that he put it that way. It's it, it's not a. I don't really have an impression. I just participated in like in the ultimate like Petaluma super group, which was all these members came together to do a sixteen piece tribute to joe cocker's mad dogs in the englishman and oh, i was cool. asked to sing it and i was like oh yeah i'll do that i was like but i'm not i can't i'm not gonna do joe cocker i'm not gonna act like him <laughs> turns out you can't really sing joe cocker without acting like front of 15 people <laughs> behind you know behind you without kind of doing it like the, the way he gets things out so I, I don't know if it's an impression that i could like do i could like sing like a joe cocker song or something but um it's like an so. interpretation <laughs> yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would totally be like a like. You know, I don't feel. You, can you hear that? It to the mic yeah. is it gonna be? Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, like, <laughs> See now, I got to have to change the scene. Cause every night I hear Lord, oh, the strangest dreams got me entitled by what might have been. Oh Lord, I'm on my own. Oh. Or so it seems I get to find a way out before I, before I start to scream oh, But someone locked that door and threw away the key I'm tired, I'm feeling alright Oh yes, <laughs> I'm not feeling the good myself I said, oh Lord, I'm feeling alright <laughs> I'm not all right. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> That's great. And of all the ones to pick, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. That's one I can, yeah. But I mean, like when, when the when the bands got I me, mean, nobody's gonna see this on the on the the, the radio. Like I will kind of get a little. You can't really. There's some ma <laughs> some magic that comes where you just start being like, because <laughs> he's got a little voice like I have. But I think from doing yeah. that project, I learned how to get up there a little bit because uh -huh. he's down here. Yep. His body doesn't want to go. No, it's almost a it. falsetto. Yeah. yeah, it's like falsetto, but with a but with a lot of pain in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. I mean, I, I learned a lot from that project. It might, it might happen again. You never know. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was supposed to happen once. We did it three times, so we'll see. <laughs> so I I first heard about you um, back when I I moved to Petaluma in two thousand. Um, and you were in a group, I believe, called Hillside Fire. Yeah, uh, same group. I'm that's what I remember. <laughs> and we just changed our name, uh, but yeah, I'm still in the same group, same guys. Well, at least two of the original members from that. I, I basically have been in one band my whole life. But did you change the name because names. there's been too many Hillside Fires? Well, you know, it's funny. That's not why we changed it, but uh, yeah, that was we changed it at the right time. I think. Um, yeah, it was funny the, when we first started that band. We, we go to this festival called High Sierra, you know, it's out in Quincy. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, I've been going there for like, I don't know, I think I've missed two in 13 years or something. But uh, we started the band. We're like, we're going to go out there. And we're going to, you know, we're working on this band really hard. You know, we, it's, it's tight. We're going to try and be professional. We made posters and everything. We put them, spent all this money. To, like, just let, we wanted that festival to know our name, you know, mm -hmm. thinking that's how we figured that's how you make it. Right. But then there was this huge hillside fire that smoked out the whole weekend. Oh. And so our band, like the name being on the kick drums and the little 
things. We were just bothering people. They're like, not funny, guys. And we're oh, like, oh, we've yikes. been planning to be here as Hillside Fire. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> totally not a good band name in California. But uh, that's not why we changed it, though. Uh, okay. we, we, I, I don't remember. You know, it's funny, actually. We changed it not to change, but that band was like a straight-up rock and roll band. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was going to do this like solo record at the time that was – a fake name for myself. I was just really inspired by Del McCurry band and um, like devil makes three. And these like, kind of like this really like fun, like kind of throwback folky vibe. And so I wrote a bunch of songs and I was like, Hey guys, I'm making this solo record. And they're like, do we love this? We want to do something. Like, you guys want to make a, f- all right, well let's do it. But we can't call hillside fire. Cause people think that's weird. <laughs> or that's so we thought at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I call So I was like, I was going to call it Johnny Haggard's uh, highway poet Mm-hmm. And then, so instead we all made fake names. We called the band highway poets and we used to play shows at, you know, bars downtown hillside fire graduated to play in the mystic theater. Mm-hmm. And um, we would play shows at bars and we would pretend that we were, we dress differently, call ourselves different names. And we would trash this crappy local band called hillside fire. That was selling out. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it sounds really fun. I thought it was hilarious. I loved it, but it it, tend, it it really like upset some of our fans because they would like that we were doing this fun thing. And then we'd be out there going like, you know, like I'll save the curse words and stuff, but we'd be, you know, really being like, you know, those guys and they're, they're no good. And, and people were like, what are these guys doing? Like, why are they saying this about this thing? I like, <laughs> I oh, guess funny. not, not everybody saw the comedy in it. <laughs> I, just thought, I like, I like a good awkward moment, you know, and that one, that one was really fun to be in, <laughs> but then, yeah, but then, but then that kind of started doing well and it took us on a few tours, um, being this like kind of folky thing. But then while we were doing that, then like Mumford and Sons came out mm-hmm. and we were like, okay, well now, now everybody's doing this folk thing mm-hmm. and we already don't feel like it's our real thing. Anyway, it was kind mm-hmm. of us pre- pretending to be something. Mm-hmm. And so we decided just to start bringing our rock and roll, vibe back we never i never stopped writing tunes like that and so uh yeah we, we brought the rock and roll by vibe back and did kind of both within the same set and lo and behold people like more than just one genre of music you know yes. so they were appreciative of a band that would like sing him a song and make him go boom kaka doom kaka but then maybe do something like funky kind of rock and roll stuff and then that so we kept the name highway poets because we didn't want to change again thought that'd be way too confusing and now we're a whole Another thing. I don't know. A whole nother thing. I think na- names kind of bother the living daylights out of me mm. <laughs> because uh, my brain, the way it thinks for whatever reason, it thinks a bit in genre, but I don't write for genre. Mm-hmm. So I might have like a country lyric that inspires me to write like a funky song. Mm-hmm. And then I bring it to the guys and say, we let's play this. Like Dr. Dre is producing it, but then we're going to play it at this, you know, this festival set over here and, and all that sounds weird, but it's just the music you make. So right. the highway poet, yeah, names are a pain in the booty. You know? <laughs> so you felt like highway poets was starting to kind of pigeonhole you into more of a folk genre. And that's why you're, I still, to do it's still hard for me to shake the idea that the name highway poets doesn't sound like a genre because that's exactly where it came from was like a f- writing into a genre, like a writing experiment, you know, that was right. like, I want to see if I could write a bunch of, of these cool bluegrass songs. Cause I really think this bluegrass stuff is really cool. And then I did that and I was like, Oh, okay, cool. But I don't want to do that. But once you start, you know, it's like, it's right. like a ship got on it. And I was like, okay, that's cool. The ship is going, but I don't want to keep sailing on this ship. Sure. 
know, but that's not how the world works. You sometimes got to maybe put a new coat of paint on it or something. <laughs> well, branding is tricky. I mean, you, you cultivate a base of fans that are used to a specific type of music. And then they, yeah. they change like that happened with Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Joni Mitchell had all this amazing folk stuff. And then she went through her jazz phase and some of her fans dropped off. They didn't understand what she was doing. I loved it yeah. uh, personally, but, um, but that see, can happen with artists. It's true. But, you know, I think that it's a, and, and I think it's why I always embraced like my body wanting to do something um, that wasn't supposed to be done. You know, that's sure. hard to say. Cause I mean, I, nobody's telling you what to do, but I, I found like my heroes, my, the people that I looked up to as songwriters always were able to like, just go around and do whatever they wanted to. Sure. And then now that you say it, like, even like Joni Mitchell is a good example going like, yeah, well, if Joni Mitchell can do that. Why can't I? But you don't think about, what a risk she's taking in that time, especially right. back then. I think now listeners are more educated and it can almost be, it can almost be to a fault. I think if you are a type of person who wants to write into a genre, mm -hmm. because people can now sm smell that um, from a mile away, you got to be super honest nowadays because we've all me being a fan as well as a writer, we know kind of what fake looks like. Cause we've been, branded too for so long we're all hyper aware mm -hmm. of this that now everybody's fiending for the like the artist who's like almost super eclectically branded like a, per, a good example of like a modern artist who's doing this really well i think is like billy eilish who mm -hmm. come, came off real dark real heavy uh almost like your parents worst nightmare in a sense but she's actually like a super sweet down home sure. really good role model human being comes from a good family but then has these elements of hip hop, which I love, but then also has amazing elements of jazz and her ability to really sing and produce these songs like with her brother. I mean, there's some cool stuff happening there that is so real and deep that right now, while the, the heat of the attention's on her, people can go one way or the other. But I think looking back in like 10, 15 years, she's not going to look be looked at any different than like, I don't know, like Etta James or Aretha Franklin or, you know, Joni Mitchell or something like that. It's just the time that we're in. You have to be so high that just to get anything going, yeah. you have to be so hyper aware of your own personal brand. It's, 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 a, it doesn't make, I always, we were talking about this in rehearsal. It was, it was uh, like, <laughs> could you imagine like Bob Dylan trying to make his career going as young Bob Dylan, like going like, Hey, I got to make a little TikTok right now. I'm gonna go on over here. <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense. Like, like they got to like live. They, that was like the best time I think for for music. I mean, it was definitely the best time on the planet to be out in the planet. But it was. I think there's just like something that artists had back in like the '60s and early '70s that there was enough marketing going on that you could get out there and blow up. But there was a, But there was also enough people trying to market you that you could avoid paying attention to marketing, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, the, the, I've read an interesting uh, interview with Frank Zappa. And one of the things he was talking about is in the older days, um, the sixties, seventies, there was more risk taking and there was more thought to trying new things instead of being so formulaic in, in what types of things you thought would sell and just putting stuff out and letting letting people try it, promote it, and let people check it out, and that seemed to be disappearing as it became more about um, guaranteeing commerciality 
and then, of course, when you combine that with what's happened with just the explosion of independent producers and just so much content available, it's 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 hard to filter down. Back then, to produce an album was a big deal, you know. You and so there weren't as there wasn't as much content out there for people to sift through. So if you had a big record company behind you and they took a chance and put it out there, put the billboards up and everything, it sold. And sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it did, but you took a risk, and that seems uh, we see that in movies as well. It, uh, you know, all these remakes of old movies and things. People don't want to take a risk on on new content. Sometimes it seems. Yeah, it's, I think it's harder. You know, it's funny because there's like a there's another double edged sword of that is everybody know taking a risk is so cool nowadays. Yeah that everybody's taking a risk. Right. And is it risky? Like really even anymore? Is it like, really authentic? Is it doing yeah, like what back you really then? Like, feel? yeah. If, if you're going to make a record for somebody like there's this band, Simon and Garfunkel and this guy, Paul has <laughs> been writing a bunch of tunes. Let's make a record for him. And it's, it's going to sell like gangbusters. He's going to put yeah. it out. Yeah. Oh, it, it didn't sell. Oh, okay. Like that's a huge risk just to do, to leave a huge act, do your own thing. It wasn't just like for fun. Right. He had to like, he had to sign contracts. He lost a ton of money on that first album. Yeah. And it didn't sell. And I, it has, so like, to me, like the big risk for like Paul Simon, for example, is that he then did it again. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he did it again that it actually was like, you know, the Graceland and it went. Oh yeah. Graceland was huge. Yeah. And so if you think about like th- that is the, that's the ultimate risk mm-hmm. right now. Like I can make a record. I'm making a record right now in my own personal studio, um, mm-hmm. which is where I'm sitting right now. And I'm making a, a, a studio record to put out as well as writing a record for the Pi Poets to put together and do a studio record. But there's not as much risk in that because, well, granted, I'm not like a super big famous artist or anything, but right. I can do that. It's going to cost me in the end after paying some musicians to play on it and sure. paying to put stuff out, you know, and then time spent. I mean, it's what, a couple thousand bucks. Yeah. Paul Simon put out a, a what well, was still cool. What is it? The, what is it, the Ryman Paul Simon is what he called it. But um, it, that cost probably back then, which would be the equivalent of a few million dollars today, you know, because right. of, of the, what went into it. That's a huge risk. And yeah. then to do it again and then do it again. That's pretty wild. That's, that's like, that's showing your faith. You're not just, he's not just making music to be a famous guy. He just loved making music. He was down to, to lose it all. You know, he didn't care. And like you mentioned, Billie Eilish, of course, their album was produced in their bedroom. Mm-hmm, totally yeah there's actually a really amazing documentary on yeah i saw I don't it know if you've seen, yeah i think it's, i think it's great mm-hmm. you know it's funny is i yeah i think she's just cool i like that mm-hmm. yeah i like i like it's it's inspiring and like if i get in if i feel inspired <laughs> i'm like that's that's real to me you know and not everything new inspires me and it's been a while since something brand new that also is not really not definitely not for like my demographic you know right my my and I am inspired. I was like, "Well, wow, all right, cool. That's great. I, I, yeah, I like her. Her whole brother's thing is, is really cool. <laughs> yeah. We're talking with local singer, songwriter, guitarist, and producer, Sebastian St. James, here on KPCA 103.3 FM. So I wanted to ask you, Sebastian, Yeah. describe for us what it's like to get ready to go out and walk on stage and, and the feelings that you have once you're out there and you're actually performing. I'm gonna to have to remember that, huh? <laughs> Man, that's a it's a good feeling. I, I personally, I think sure it's different for everybody. I always think I'm gonna forget everything, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. 
I'm always like, I'm not going to, here we go. I'm going to, it's, it's over. It's done. I'm going to not remember anything, <laughs> but then like two seconds in, you realize it and you get comfortable. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the feeling is, uh, gosh, that's a, that's a good question. I think it's a loaded answer that could be like summed up simply by saying it's, 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 it's like a drug within itself because mm -hmm. the nerves are so intense that you don't, it's like your body's telling you, you don't want to do something <laughs> or you shouldn't be doing this or what are you thinking? And you're going to go do it anyway. So it's the equivalent of like jumping off a cliff. I mean, that, which right. I haven't done, but not knowing if the water under you is going to be super cold or nice, or if it's, if you're going to be like in the ocean or into a deep pool, you know, you're definitely not going to die. So it's not a suicidal leap, <laughs> but it's like, I don't know what the water is going to feel like when I hit there. And it's sometimes it's cold, you know, you're like, here we go. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> that one didn't go so well for me, you know? And sometimes people can see it and sometimes people can't. I think it's like jumping off a cliff and you just got to hope that um, that's why I think I like band life because no matter what your day is, you got some, you got somebody over there who's going to like throw you a life preserver at some point, you know? Well, that's one of the key things too, is um, mistakes happen, things happen mm -hmm. and how you recover from those on stage and deal with it uh, is a big deal. I mean, some people lose it. <laughs> yeah. Some people are able to work that mistake into the tune and, and keep going. Yeah. I, I had a, back when I used to perform in bands, um, I remember I'd forget lyrics sometimes. So I just sing the same verse again. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, just do what you need to do to get through it. But, um, Oh yeah. That happens to everybody. I mean, that happens like to great. I mean, to everybody it happens to just, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. There's, it's a level playing field when, when it comes to performing. It's a matter of like how much time you put into it. I think, and some people are like, just their brains better at memorizing than others. That's why you got like somebody like Jerry Garcia and Prince. Like that's, you could not have two more drastically different guitar heroes. <laughs> right. And one's like, uh, what was that line? And the other one's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm writing a song for tomorrow while I'm playing this one for you right now. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just two different types of people. So yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's gifts and, and there's uh and like, like not in a religious way, but like bless musical blessings that different people get and acquire. But um, it, it, to, to your to your point, what you're saying with the forgetting lyrics, there's something yeah. out of all the people, and I mean, actually, probably the, not on purpose. The perfect middle ground between Jerry Garcia and Prince would be something that John Mayer said, mm. and he uh, and I, it always stuck with me. I literally last night I was performing at a private party by myself, and I forgot a line, and he was at doing some college tour somewhere, like speaking to people um, at colleges, and he's he's and somebody asks, "What do you do when you forget a line?" And he said, what I always do when I forget a line is you get through it, but then the next verse, even if you have to repeat it, you just do it. So you're still like, you're still like in some kind of structure. Yeah. You know, so, so then you don't go into like, I'm fully wherever I want to be in your brain and right. kind of fall off. Um, so I always try to do that. I tend to like want to rewrite. I, I write enough. I think that my brain rapid fires writing. And so if I miss a line, I'll just, and I'm like, well, I don't want to repeat that line again. And like, you know, after this course, right. I'll just like try and write something and it works 65% of the time. <laughs> oh, so you'll make up a new lyric. Yeah. 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 New lyric, yeah. <laughs> My bandmates are always making fun of me. Cause it'll be, it, it might, it, you know, it'll just be like kind of like a free form writing. That's kind of how I write anyway, though. I'm not much of a, I'm, I don't know if who writes this way, but like Bob Dylan would write 
from what I understand is he would write like pages and pages and pages of lyrics yeah. and then would sit with a guitar. And that's just like the majority of his like process. Mm-hmm. I tend to do, I'll write lyrics and I'll do that, but that's almost like a, a form of writing for me mm-hmm. that from the learning that Dylan did it that way and other people, I'm more of a, like, I'll pick up a guitar and be like, you know, sitting there going like, like mm-hmm. oh, I got this. It sounds like that until I get to like a place where then I'm then I'm like, how I'm gonna find a way to get to this sometime today? Something like that, like until it gets to a place of of a song and I'm like, well, that sounds like a song. And I, I record it on my iPhone. <laughs> right on. And well, there, the, everyone has a different process, but yeah. you know, some people hear the whole thing all done in their head. Like apparently Paul McCartney is kind of like that. Um, yeah. That, that's pretty amazing. Do it in stages. Uh, yeah. Some people start with the music. Some people start with lyrics. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it also, it depends on the song. I bet sometimes totally. you, you come up with some chord change or something and then you, you the perfect lyrics come out. Sometimes oh, it's yeah. the opposite. I mean, I have songs that like I have been working on, like the song that I'm actually working on right now. Um, I started writing when we were Hillside Fire. I can remember like playing it for our drummer, Shane, at the time, sleeping on, when we were sleeping on somebody's couch. And I was like, what is this thing? And I just started, he's like, that's cool. You know, it wasn't like amazing or anything, but it's like <laughs> literally the littlest idea. And I am, I, I think I just cracked it like this morning, which is oh, so nice. weird to think of like 12 years later. <laughs> um, but then like, there's a song on the live record that I recently put out that I performed live and I wrote that song two days before that show. Mm-hmm. And I was just was like, Oh, I'm just going to play this new song I'm working on. And it went well, it sounded good. I was like, that sounded like a song and enough to even put it onto a record, you know, and it was like a couple days old. So yeah, who knows? <laughs> Nobody really knows. I'm, none of us know where this stuff comes from. I think that the biggest mistake is if, is when a, like a writer or a performer thinks that they're the reason that this stuff is happening. That can get in the way I think of, whatever is happening you know it's 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 like luck satellite stuff you know put out your antennas and hope for the best oh so you think you're just beaming these songs from like cosmic god or something i don't don't know (laughs) i don't know it's a cosmic god i don't want it to sound i'm not trying to make it sound all big in this epic thing because i think anybody could do it if if you really want to i mean i think even if it's just like you some people have just different depths the amount of work you put in is the is the depth you can get to Mm -hmm. i think but everybody's could could maybe go like mm, 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 oh that's something and then maybe prince is like hey, i'm kind of like throwing out more stuff <laughs> but i mean uh it's uh, yeah i think that i think that it's something there it's i i don't i don't think sure. that it's we're responsible for it i think we're we're responsible for channeling. engaging it if that's makes sense you're, you're like, like channeling this creative yeah it's a channeling thing yeah it's mm-hmm. like an it's an antenna and uh and you're just going like please let me get something because sometimes, def- I mean, I, I have songs I've written and I don't, right. none of those are the good ones. <laughs> Where you're like, I'm writing this song about, today I feel like I'm not happy. I'm going to write a song about that. And this is the chords I'm going to use because they're cool chords that I just learned on an Instagram video. And instead of that, and, you know, those songs never stick around. They're gone. They're out the window. They're, they're just not real or something, something about it, you know. I think there's things that come from the subconscious that we're not uh, directly aware of. And in that sense... It, it's more of a matter of, like you said, how engaged you are in listening. Yeah. Um, 
And good improvisers uh, always say that. Chick Corea famously said, "If you don't hear anything, don't play anything." Oh, and I've been that's I've been working on that recently. Yeah, because it's so easy, especially as a guitar player, you get into patterns of familiarity. Yeah, yeah. and things you've licks. Everyone's got them, you know, that you can just pull in. But trying to get away from that and actually yeah. think melodically, or or just listen yep. to what the melody is, and and it, it comes. So it. it but uh, yeah, it's an interesting process. So you have some new stuff that you're working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. And what's what's yeah. the song that we're going to play on the show? Uh, I think the song. Oh, so to kind of set this up, um, I, I mentioned it a minute ago. Uh, to set up the song, it's a it's a recording from a live. I guess you'd call it a concert, a live show. Um, right after the shelter in place was lifted, um, there's a winery out in Hillsburg called Bella Winery. They have a really nice place. I've been playing out there for years. They hired me out to come play a set, a real mellow thing, reservations, um, you know, a really cool setup. And I trusted them. So I was like, let's go see what this is like, you know. And they had a great, like, bubbles at a table. Everybody was there reserved. It was a really nice crowd. And I played a set and I happened to be messing with this, like, new Zoom recorder that I had gotten that records two tracks. So I recorded my guitar and my voice, the guitar channel happens to also be picking up my guitar, but also my loop, my loop pedal. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what a loop pedal is, it's like a basically like a little foot switch that you can mess around with that allows me three channels of recording, mm -hmm. much like a, you know a tape machine would have back in the day, or like any, a computer a laptop does nowadays. But I can control it with my feet, and I. You know, I have the ability to um, press an octave pedal and turn my guitar into a bass guitar. I can also run my voice into it and I can sing harmonies with myself or I can beatbox. And then I also smack my guitar um, and, and when I smack it, it triggers the sound of a kick drum, like a sound real deep and thick. And so when all that kind of comes together and it's something I've been doing for five, six years now, it turns into this interesting form of classic rock hip-hop i don't know <laughs> how else to describe it really but um yeah and that's what this record is and so with all that lengthy description uh this song that you're gonna hear is a um a song called put it on you and it's uh me messing around with my loop pedal and it's uh just a good time i'll cool. be dig on it yeah. let's hear it i love you so much <laughs> thank you Oh, put it on you. 
Great. Oh man, you're so kind. I can't believe you clapped without me even asking you to. Oh, Where's I the know. tip jar? Yeah. <laughs> do you take Bitcoin? <laughs> I do. I will take Bitcoin. Or Venmo. Let me check. <laughs> let me check and see where it's at today. <laughs> so in addition to this, you have a full album. There's this one song, but we've got yeah. more stuff to listen to, right? Yeah, there's a whole yeah, you've got uh, there's about there's the, the album's kind of cool it was a happy accident i wasn't going out to do a record but i ended up coming home with this recording that i thought was great and captured this moment of me and you know 30 socially distanced people across a lawn <laughs> and it just was such such a good i mean it's i couldn't make it was almost like the record i've been trying to make all quarantine happened live and i was like okay i gotta try and put this out you know take a risk that's you know that's a big risk to put out live thing it's not perfect right you know, it's, it's, i love it's got, the name not mistakes yeah live and unsheltered <laughs> <laughs> um it, it uh yeah it's not perfect there's mistakes in it it's kind of quirky and weird sometimes because it's me with my loop pedal it's also it's not something i really practice a lot it's just something i've been doing for years so mm -hmm. i it's different every time i play these songs and so this just happened to be it worked. It was good. And um, yeah, it's on iTunes and Spotify, all the things you can get at SebastianStJames.com. I'll, I'll personally mail you one if you want and order it there. <laughs> so there's yeah. a different, different approaches to looping. I mean, some people mm -hmm. uh, view looping as entirely live, never repeat. It's, you know, one-time shot. This is what it is. Other people use it as more of a sketch pad for coming up with ideas for songs. Mm -hmm. um, are you more of the former or the latter? Uh, explain the first one to me. Um, so the first one would be you're you really never reuse what you've done. I mean, obviously you've you did an album with it, but you mean like the actual uh, loop themselves? Yeah. So oh so yeah, that's I've I've never I've never recorded a loop. Right. Um, yeah. So that's why it's different every time because I mean I'm also not a drummer, right. so I might have a different feel one day or the beat might come to me you know differently that day like. Um, so I, I definitely don't have like everything written out and I don't, I don't, nothing's pre-recorded. It's all, um, on the fly. It's all on the fly. Yeah. It's, 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 I, I've been toying with the idea of doing some pre-recorded stuff. Yeah. Um, I just haven't had to yet. Yeah. I think that if for any reason, if like, I don't know if, if I really needed to, like if I wrote a song that I, I, I tend to believe that, especially with the looping coming from a songwriting standpoint first, and then into a band life guy second, then to a guy who messes with the looper third. I always want the song to be the most important part. So I tend to not even try and loop a song that I can't sing and play effectively on an acoustic guitar, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Right. Like if I can't, if I can't play the song, you go like, oh, that's an interesting song. I like that song with just an acoustic. I, I find that those might work for a day or, or so on a looper, but then they don't last in my own personal being for whatever reason. I mean, the other thing too, is when you're watching someone perform and mm -hmm. they're just 
playing stock tracks that are pre-done in a studio and they're playing along with it it totally. almost starts to sound like a karaoke thing whereas totally. the way you're doing it and like people like ed sheeran and other people that are doing yeah, live yeah. looping it's like this magic that's happening in real time for, particularly for people that aren't already familiar with the co concept of looping they're just yeah, like, totally. well, how is this happening it is totally like a magic like a one man trick. band kind of thing yeah um, so what, uh, you don't What's cool about that is that you say is I, it makes me, I've, since I've done this street performing for so long, I get terribly insecure that mm -hmm. people think that, especially the better you get at looping, the more it sounds like a backing track. Right. Cause now I can throw down within, I can, I, within the first, you know, what, however long tempo the song is, right. I can get a good, I'll go guitar, beatbox, bass, add a percussion elements, finger snaps, start the song and do that all within a few rounds of the song starting mm -hmm. that if you don't see that setup, it's going to sound like I'm just playing a backtrack. Right. So I'm ha I haven't super performed in a while, but I used to always get so insecure about it and have to constantly remind, I, I, I feel like I have to remind people nothing's pre-recorded. At one time I even had a big sign in front of me for a while saying right. nothing's pre-recorded and people still really didn't get, even understand that it's a, yeah, it's a different thing. I mean, it, does, it can't make up for a full band, no. but there's something cool in there. And I still like, I've always said like, I, I still don't think there's been like the Jimi Hendrix of the looper yet, you know? And it's like, <laughs> there's a million bands. There's been the bands. And then once Jimi Hendrix came, he changed that game. But then was there another Jimi Hendrix? No, you can't really be in, you can't really do that again. I mean, a flashy guitar players can just get better. Like you get like this Joe Satriani's and Steve Vai's that are flashy, but to have that connection, maybe like, I guess even like Gary Clark is not Jimi Hendrix level. Cause he doesn't have the, the that, like mystique, right. but like that super stardom guitar player. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's been a thing of like that on looper. And I, I don't know if I'm the guy to do that. You know, I'm not a young cat, you know? Um, so it maybe, maybe it could be for me. I don't know, but there, I think there will be a day where there's going to be holy. Wow. There's somebody who's done that, or maybe it can't happen because people can't are so used to, I mean, you could just press play on a laptop and sing a song well nowadays. And that's, totally like acceptable form of performance which doesn't feel good to me i can't i, know. I don't know how I, I i don't know if i could pull that off i need these like push and pull of the struggle you know like well there's a magic when you're seeing something being created in real time i think that's very interesting and um as opposed to just someone hit pushing a button and playing totally. back static totally. tracks so yeah i think it's cool that you're doing that it's yeah it's coordination yeah. It does. You know, it, it, it takes less coordination than you'd think. <laughs> I think I put all my coordination skills into that. Well, now, now it's gotten to the point and you'll hear it if you listen to the record. Like I'm, I have, I do loops. I build the loops with my right foot and with my left foot. I can play bass lines and like big sub notes, almost like an organ player would do. Um, and so then that way I can kind of fill in these gaps when the chords change and there's still, there's still some bass underneath. Mm -hmm. And that's been, that's been the, something I gained from quarantine. <laughs> yeah, Do you remember play you... any other instruments besides guitar? Yeah, I play drums and bass and keys. Um, I can play everything pretty terribly, you know. <laughs> <laughs> guitar is your yeah. main instrument, right? Guitar is my main yeah. instrument. Um, I can, because, because I consider myself a producer, I, I can I could produce myself on drums. I guess if you go to like my website, if anyone wants, is interested in seeing this kind of stuff, I, there was a, thing over the course of quarantine called social distance live mm -hmm. and it was uh basically they would cover uh, they would cover an artist's repertoire and have local art or just anybody who wanted to do it make a video and a 
audio track to it and they'd play it. And I did, and I ended up doing a bunch of this cause I was like, Oh, this is my two worlds together. Cause I love making videos. Uh, and I love making music. I've always wanted to do these things together substantially. And I'm going to try now cause there's nothing else to do. You know, I have all this time in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. And there's a bunch of these examples on my website. Um, but, uh, for, um, there's like an, there's like an Al Green song I did where I'm playing the keys, I'm playing the guitar, I'm playing the drums, I'm playing the bass and uh, my buddy Alex plays some sax on it. But I, I'm like, this is great. I'm like living my own personal quarantine dream here. <laughs> I'm playing everything and I don't have to feel guilty. Like I'm, I think it, I tend to be overly, uh, uh, overly indulgent in my band's probably mental more than they are. Like, are they going to think I'm doing something on my own? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, is this going to daunt them or uninspire them? And so I tend, tended before quarantine to not really experiment with things I always wanted to just purely because I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, which is mm. the, not the smartest thing to do. Uh, because first of all, I don't think it would hurt anybody's feelings. And, right. and I, I was holding my, myself back from things that I, I experimenting with fun stuff. Well, it's good that you're sensitive to the other band members though. Yeah, well, really so. But I think that part, I think part of, you got to find that the, the balance between sensitivity and also understanding that it's okay to be selfish sometimes, especially <laughs> because it's just, it's important to, uh, to explore your own elements. Cause otherwise you get burnt out on people and things and the way things are going. If you don't explore, you know, health, in a healthy way, healthy way. You know? Do you write with other members of the group or is it mostly yeah. your tunes? Yeah. For like the highway poets, like what it, usually what it goes is we've have a, we've had a couple of things that we've like jammed on and started from scratch. Mm-hmm. But the majority, like 99.9% of the time, I'm like, hey guys, I got like this, is this a thing? And they're like, that's a thing. And then we play it in the rehearsal and have some fun uh, jamming it out. And yeah, and then we get it somewhere, somewhere, um, somewhere extra special that I mean, like I would never have gotten it to like, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I'd say we, we I say we write together the, to, to a point, um, I st- but I come with something pretty pretty intact and i have probably more ideas than than that are i have a lot of ideas mm-hmm. <laughs> so see so yeah, i think i think they put they put up with me for many years i've been playing with taylor on the bass and travis on the guitar the, the three of us have been making music together for like you, 13 you ever, 14 years you, do you ever find yourself uh in bed and you just can't get to sleep because something's running through your mind you get up and have to start oh, yeah. writing yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if I've ever jumped up and had to start writing. I, I, I definitely probably did that when I was younger. I mean, I have kids now and stuff. So it's like, probably like a little harder to be like, yeah, this is going to get me out of bed. It'd have to be a really good melody, yeah. but I do have lots of little voice memos that are you know, like me on my phone going like, now the sky is blue and green comes away. <laughs> like some weird like tom waits type of Try stuff not to wake the wife up Try not to wake anybody up but also he's like what is that melody in my what is this um yeah i i said this to somebody the other day actually it's funny thinking of right now is uh I, without an iphone i don't <laughs> i would love to say that i would still be a songwriter yeah but I, I don't know because my memory i think i'd still be a songwriter but i don't think i would have a, a any kind of career going well we used um, to have to use tape recorders people have these little portable tape yeah i guess i would have had a tape. i mean i recorded on tape like not tape machines but little mm-hmm. tape cassette players when i was yeah. a kid but i'd record stuff off the radio i think mm-hmm. i've always been enthusiastically into the idea of 
audio and sounds and whatever they could to ma manipulate. I remember like as a kid, I would like sing stuff into this little handheld recorder and then speed it up and it sound all chipmunky. And I'd be like, wow, that sounds really cool. You know, and, and I'm watching my son do it now. He likes to do this, this same kind of thing. I'm like, okay, so maybe he might be another audio file in the family, you know? Does he play an instrument yet? No, I mean, he's, he's almost five. He's, I mean, he's got this little keyboard and he makes up tunes and stuff. I'm going to raise him to uh, not be a musician. <laughs> no, I want him to be a very good musician, but like, like a doctor that can shred the guitar. <laughs> like boy, do something to make you some money. Cause in that way, if he defies me, not only is it super cool, <laughs> but it'll make him work really hard. Cause he'd be like, how do I, I got to do this. I think that the one thing that I get so worried about, especially with like social media and stuff, is just watching kids. I'm like so afraid that celebrity is so important that it's going to, and it already has completely affected the quality of music, but mm -hmm. I'm just so fearful and I'm not a naturally fearful person, but I'm so fearful of the, the future of art because of uh, the fact that the celebrity seems to be almost more important. Mm -hmm. And in turn, that's made the art suffer. Secondary. And then the more the art suffers, the more the celebrity grows. And then the easier it is to do nothing and become famous for it. And then that is like a, a whirlwind that we're, we've been in for a while, but I, I like, yeah. I don't see like a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. It, you know, it's, and so I'm so, I'm fearful for him. Like he, I'm a, as far as I'm concerned, he'll never even see social media or <laughs> know what like a post is until he's old enough to just figure it out on his own. <laughs> I, guess, I, don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I get scared because I know what it's done to me. I, I'm from a generation of, just before social media mm -hmm. to after to I got in, I started a MySpace account because my sister made one for me because she said, if you want to be a musician, you've got to be on the internet. And I was like, <laughs> whatever. Mm -hmm. And now I think that people are like, I'm on the internet. I should be a musician. You know, and I, that's right. scary to me. So scary. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with those thoughts. Well, I mean, and the technologies and tools available um, make it very easy for people to produce music i mean that they, i'm all they, for i'm fully for that i think yeah. I, I love that i like yeah, I, it democratizes my, my, the process yeah. my son will have a laptop with ableton on it sure. long before he sees like a an instagram or a twitter because <laughs> i'll be like i mean i, I like when I, I produce over the quarantine there's a lot of you know home time and i making a lot of hip-hop music in my kitchen and my son would be there so like i'd be like his, you know, not me rapping, I'm more like beats and stuff like that, but mm -hmm. his voice would get in there and my wife watering the plants or something and use these sounds to kind of make this really cool kind of like hip hop style production. Cause it's something I could do while hanging out with my family mm -hmm. and music is my therapy. I, to keep myself from having a straight panic attack, yeah. freak out on where the world was. Sure. I mean, we don't even, we all know where it was for a moment there. Yeah. And, uh, it was like a constant of like, I love my family, love my family, making music, making music, love my family, love my family, yeah. making music, making music. You know? Yeah. It's just like, Oh, um, and so he, I would let, I, I have no problem like letting him touch my computer and, you know, hitting the keyboards and making notes and putting weird synth patches on there. that go, <laughs> and he tells me what color he thinks it is or what <laughs> is happy sound or scary sound. I think that I love that. Yeah. I think that's great. It's, it's the career elements of music. We were talking about Joni Mitchell earlier her drive to be a career musician came from an honest place, much like all of them, because they were like, maybe I could be famous. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could be rich. Maybe, you know, nowadays people are like, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. And like that, 
and I feel this way and people yeah. are like, wow, look how passionate that person yeah. is. It scares the daylights out of me. Cause yeah. it's like, where's the, what where's the, the content? What? Where's yeah. the actual art? Yeah. I'm all for people being like, because I, I truly think that anybody, even a non-musician should get a laptop, get garage band and try and make a song, mm-hmm. you know, like just try, you know, why not? You know, even if you're using samples, just cause I think it's so cathartic and, so fun. It's just so fun. It shouldn't be just for musicians in that realm, but my, careers should be just for musicians. My dad asked me if there's a solution that can take um, a mixed piece of music and separate it out into individual MIDI instruments so that he could then change the instruments using his little MIDI module. Totally. Yeah. So just geek out. He's not a, he's not a musician. The new logic can do that. Make some Ableton does it. That's well, you know, that's a cool thing. So some DJs are out there and watch DJs get a bad rap, but um, there are DJs that have classic piano training. They really understand. And and even though they're making boom, boom, stuff, there's a lot going on there deep into the, to the elements of uh, music, Mm -hmm. but they'll, a lot of them are also doing like live production with their samples in the sense to where they're arranging live to where they're triggering. Here comes this. I see it might just be as simple as I see the crowd. It's right. just really vibing it. We're going to stay here for a second before we go. Whatever it is they're going to do, but they're actually, they're doing kind of what your father's looking for. They're triggering the different samples live. It's not just you ready to make a million dollars for me play for one hour and then I'm out of here, you know, and that's happening too. And I mean, I'm all for anybody success. I'm not an anti against it. I mean, well, the, the interesting thing that's going to change is um, with the advent of AI and now what's happening uh, where algorithms are being developed to have the music write itself. Yeah. That's a little weird to me. And the fact that we could get to a point where people wouldn't be able to tell the difference between completely computer generated music or something that's done by a human. I don't know if we'll get to that point. I know what you're talking about. And I know, I know, I'm sure that I'm sure that time is probably real close to the end here, but uh, I think we will always be able to tell because there's something more magical happening that is, will forever be unexplained about music. It's, mm-hmm. it's deep, it's rooted. Even the deepest musician can't explain it. They can explain to you the theory mm-hmm. behind why that makes you feel the way you do, but it's from another universe completely another train of thought somewhere in that universe is not out there in space it's like deep inside mm-hmm. I, th- I think that we'll always well even if we think we can't tell we'll be able to tell if I music was so. ch- yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know so yeah, i feel like i know very little in this world but i think that true magic is still gonna always be there and people will still be able to feel that there might be people that can't tell the difference yeah but that's on them <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So we've been talking with Sebastian St. James, who is our own Petaluma singer, songwriter, guitarist, and producer. Thanks a lot for being on the show today, Sebastian. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. And you want to mention your websites? Yeah, you can uh, you can you can find everything we've talked about from my new live record to some sweet quarantine videos to uh, upcoming events on my website, SebastianStJames.com. Right on. Okay, perfect. There's also the Highway Poets uh, site that yeah. I'm looking at here. Yeah, and actually, while we're just real fast, I know the time is up. We're saying goodbye. Go buy your tickets for the Petaluma, Petaluma Music Festival uh, because Highway Poets is going to be there. It's going to be a funky good afternoon of music, and it raises money to keep music in the schools. So, yeah, come on to that. Perfect. Thanks. 
Okay, uh, you've been listening to Inside Petaluma here on KPCA 103.3 FM. I'm Cindy Thomas, and I've been here with my co-hosts, Jason Davies and Janice Cater-Thompson. We're here every Friday from 11 to noon. Uh, you can also catch us on live stream if you're outside the Petaluma area, and that would be at kpca.fm. And all of our past shows uh, are on our website. You can listen to the archives page or by um, podcast, and that is at insidepetaluma.com. Our Facebook page is KPCA Inside Petaluma. Go, go there and give us a like. So we'll see you guys again next Friday. Everybody have a good weekend. Take care. Thanks. Bye.